It's me, Elle Fox, and welcome back, Energy the Untamed Heart podcast. I have a really interesting guest today, Seth Vermilier. It, it's so interesting to me that there are so many ways to find our roadmap to figure out how can we navigate this journey. So I can't wait to share my chat today with Seth. He is undeniably a current day Renaissance man. He's worked in all sorts of careers from theater to production management. He's been an executive in a nonprofit in both leadership and project management roles. He's had a stint working in roofing in the fishing industries. He's an entrepreneur. I mean, do-it-yourself guy, bringing his skills in human design and tarot to help people navigate life through this matrix. His mission statement, as he describes it, is to fully realize and embody the potential which is innate within all of us. This is just such a great talk we had today. So please join me as we talk about all the things, but especially we dig into human design and how it can help us understand why we do what we do and why we respond the way that each of us responds to life's challenges. So let's dig in. Hey guys, you're listening to the Energy of the Untamed Heart podcast, where we talk about uncaging your divinely gifted wild heart to be as free and expansive as you were born to be. My goal is to use our stories, guest interviews, and your questions to tease out what has been keeping your wild heart under wraps. I'm your host, Miel Fox, and together we will shatter the myths of our old stories to set our wild heart free. So thanks for choosing you and showing up today. That's really the gist of it unblocking the blocks that cover up the who you really are basically and really getting a good idea of what is the language through which your heart wants to communicate to you whatever that is for you in whatever creative way that you get that message that aligns you head to heart that's amazing that's beautiful that's a lot of the work that is important to me as well and has been a a driving force in whether I was doing tarot, exploring human design, or talking with someone about how they can just be better at what they do. So I 100% totally makes sense. Be aware of how do you talk to yourself? What do you believe of yourself? How do you project your energy outward? If you don't get it right inward, it isn't going to be projected appropriately outward. You create what you choose to see. So... Yeah. Tell me how you went from where you were to where you are. <laughs> it's been a zigzag of a journey. It's um, probably through different uh, countries. I may have gone to different planets. You know, there's so many different directions that I've been in order to get to where I am today. And I recognize now as I'm talking that there is this seemingly in the individuals who come to me most, there's an effort to find or look for a direct path, the immediate answer, or, or how do I go from point A to point B in the cleanest way? And of course, we'd all love to go the cleanest way, but sometimes the detour is where the fun is and where you learn the most. And I've been on so many detours in my life that I love to be today the guide for someone to go hopefully down the detour that's most impactful especially as they talk to me Uh, maybe you don't have to do all the same things i did but i would highly recommend it (laughs) so i i started a long time ago i was wandering around the world at 10 years old going on a vacation with family to go see i'm from oregon in the pacific northwest and 
we went to California to see some family and they gave each one of us, my siblings and me, uh, a gift when we got there. And we were going to Disneyland because they're like 10 minutes from Disneyland. So, you know, it was going to be a lot of fun. It was a lot cheaper then. Mm -hmm. And my gift was a tarot deck. And it wasn't the normal size deck and it wasn't super tiny either. It was kind of in between and it was a Rider Waite Smith. And I, I knew of tarot because I loved horror movies and the supernatural. And I had watched all these old black and white horror movies and it was the eighties. So there was this kind of renaissance of horror happening and people were excited about it. So tarot was something that I dove into and in retrospect, diving into things and learning about them is part of who I am and what I do. And my human design helped me recognize that when I started learning about human design. So I started working with this deck and I was like, this is the worst deck. It was full of a bunch of people that I recognized as standing on stages and pantaloons and weird hats. And I was like, this is funky. I don't get it. And what I didn't realize is I also didn't get the court system because it wasn't my lived experience. And so for people who want no tarot and they look at the court, you've got this this um, page, knight, queen and king, and you look at that far away, but you, you don't live with it. And so you're kind of like, well, I know what that is in a story. Uh, it was also weird. And my lived experience also told me that I wasn't surrounded by white people, but that's all that was in this deck. So it was just, it was weird. And I was burgeoning with that in the nineties, trying to go, what is this? And still learning it and playing with it and feeling good about it. But then I went to Pike Place in Seattle and I found a deck called the Heindel, which is always kind of on my side. And it was the first deck I'd ever seen that was multicultural. When I saw it in the cabinet, um, there was in the design of the box, which is, it's not designed this way anymore. There was a, a picture of Chief Seattle in Seattle. <laughs> I was like, well, that's an interesting synchronicity. But when I saw that card, I knew that. I knew that experience. I'm not part of a uh, first person's tribe. I'm not part of the Nez Perce. I am acutely aware of them because of the lessons we learned in school. But when I saw that, I knew what that meant. I had a lived experience with it. And that helped me see the court cards in a whole new way. It's also a matriarchal deck versus a patriarchal with the king. The mother is the highest expression that connects with the father and almost a peer exchange. So it started to, to be experiential and tarot became real in a way it hadn't before. And then in the 90s, is when we started hearing more about human design and I was aware of it and I went, oh God, this is too much for me. I just had this blossom in tarot, I'm gonna pause. And then I fast forward into 2016 and I hear about human design again on a podcast. I'm like, oh, I should look back into that. That was really cool. And I've been diving into that ever since. There's so much in human design. It's a wonderful contradiction there's this thing called profile, which is a five one and I'm a five one. Um, there's lots of different numbers that are relative to the I Ching one through six. So my five one is I'm an investigator heretic. I'm going to learn everything I can. I'm going to say, there's a better way to do this. Why are we doing it like this? Which was my experience with the tarot. I was like, this is gross. What is this? Oh, wait, here's this cool deck. Now let me tell you about how this works. And then I go out and I like transmute that to a 
a larger group of people and say, there's another way because I needed another way. And so that's been a bit of my experience. The, 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 that's kind of like the three highlights of where it started, where I was in the middle and kind of where I am now in exploring human design. So what I really love in the story that you're sharing here is you first of all had, you were led whether you knew it in the moment or not as a child towards the beginning steps of your path, of your purpose, of your journey. Because in the, at the end of the day, when people go, what's my purpose? The, the answer is the purpose is you. The purpose is you living yes. in the deepest yes. expression of who you are. And however one yes. gets to that, you know, so great. And a lot of us take the zigzag road. Why? Because we have free will and choice. And so as we come to each intersection, roadblock, whatever decision, as we go along, sometimes we're kind of really tuned in to the deepest of who we are. And perhaps when we are, the alignment of what happens next is a little bit smoother versus you're hanging out in the ego half of your brain versus being the observer and listening to the message that you're really connected to. And so you make these other choices yeah. that we look back and we go, oh my God, you know, that was a mistake or that was a bad decision or that was whatever phrase we like to apply to it. But the yeah. way I look at it is I, I see it a, a couple different ways. I see it as where souls being expressed in a human experience on earth. So therefore you are going to have that duality, that polarity, you're going to have the zigzaggy path, you're going to have the hard things come through, because that's mm -hmm. a piece of the learning. That's how it happens. That's how we gain the reference point of experience. If it was yeah. all only one way, that wouldn't make any sense either. So I think that's very interesting that you knew early on, there was definitely a draw and a resonance and a connection to the tarot. And I kind of giggled when you said your first deck was the, the Rider Waite deck, because that's yeah. the first deck I purchased because everybody said, mm. oh, that's the classic deck. Get that deck, da, 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 da. <laughs> and I, I opened it and I'm like, oh, that's stupid. I this is not working for me. So I went to see a friend <laughs> who was very involved with decks. And I told her, I said, yeah. um, I, it, I don't understand. You know, I don't understand the the cards. I don't understand the yeah. imagery. I don't understand the messages. I'm very confused by this. So long story short, we sat in, at her office space with a cup of tea mm -hmm. and she must have had 500 decks in her place. And she put them like all over the table, different yeah. sizes, different images, different everything. And we just basically sat there and she said, what are you drawn to? What are you, what seems like it is talking to you? So anyhow, that's how it all started. And very interesting because I knew I wanted to, to delve into other ways of hearing information or receiving information, but wasn't a hundred percent sure what was going to be the path for me. So that's how yeah. my little tarot story started. And if you could actually, I can't show you because I'm on Zoom with a faded out background, but there are a variety of decks all around me, tarot decks, oracle yeah. decks, all the things. Some are yeah. great and some I'm like, that's nice, but no thanks. So that's interesting. The human design thing I find absolutely fascinating. And I find the connection mm -hmm. of the numbers fascinating because I happen to be an advanced numerologist. I really quite love numbers and I love the energy of numbers and 
how we are all very specifically coded and how our actually our interactions are sole agreements based on our coding. So we could go totally off the rails with that, but very interesting <laughs> to me. So I also feel very much so because I'm very geeky. I'm very sciencey and I'm very spiritual. So I'm kind of this funny combo of both. I, like you, was not really aware that what I used to think were my queerities are actually my gifts. They're the things that, wow, this is like this amazing magic that you have embedded in your being that you were gifted with. So do something with it, which is sort of how all this is evolving. I mean, I've had multiple iterations stumbling my way through my zigzaggy journey and each way has a different level of expression than the way prior to it or connected with it. And that's, that's all well and good. I'm really just so intrigued by what, what we call synchronicity to me, isn't really synchronicity because I really, we have the moment that we have this moment is what we have. And that when we say like, oh, I Mm -hmm. feel like this thing speaks to me or this thing resonates with me. And it does because you've already done it because all of our timelines are overlapped anyway. So you've already done it. So yeah, it (laughs) speaks to you because yeah, it is. So I'm just curious, go back to the Seattle thing with with the chief and Seattle. Did you move to Seattle? The experience of Seattle for me was such a concrete city. Mm. So when I say Seattle is gray, I don't mean the sky. I mean, it is very angular and to me without um, color. And there are spots in Seattle that are like that. There are places that are like that. But the city as a whole is just void of experience for me. And I don't want to knock Seattle because there are people who absolutely find their joy there. But it is not for me. What I love about uh, the Pacific Northwest is that's where my heart is. Whether I was born there or not, when I go back there, that's when I feel the most alive. And I'm... I'm just outside of Chicago today. My husband and I lived in Chicago for the last 20 years. What I love about Chicago is it is a um, exuberant, lively, ever-changing space that is always trying to improve upon itself. And Seattle never felt like that to me. It just existed and you kind of went through the maze of Seattle. I do wonder what Seattle might have been like before it was a concrete jungle. There may have been an energy there that was right for me, but is not right for me now. And so I, I love this question because it it might have been something at one time, but it is not for, for me now. You hear people that we have this conversation like we're having now, and you'll yeah. hear some people who might say things like, oh, well, if I if I had only known this, then I wouldn't have done that 20 years ago, let's say. But the reality yeah. is you weren't meant to know this then because that's yeah. part of the path that's part of the the journey that's part of the thing and it's funny when you say that you just don't feel it doesn't feel like home to you in certain parts of the world i live in the northeast i live on the top of a mountain in northern vermont so it's very rural mm. i absolutely love it i love it because it it's grounding to me it feels like it is a piece of me and i am a piece of it And I have had the opportunity Mm. to live all over the world. And there are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful places, but there's really only a handful of places that when I go there, it, it feels like, oh, I've been here. Not I've been here like I traveled here last year, 
on holiday, but like I have been here and it's very interesting to me when we are willing to open ourselves up to the quantum, that there's more than what you actually physically see in front of you, that you can now open entire, mm, what's the best phrase, intergeographical, interspatial opportunities, like portals to, to multiple existences. But it's interesting that we drop you in current day Seattle and that doesn't feel good to you, but yet you know that there's an essence of something connected there that perhaps at some other time there was. Yeah. And 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 I I love the idea that this has a a quantum connection to you because human design has a a whole quantum component to it. I love that. The concept of of, uh, neutrinos that we finally agreed existed as a collective in the 90s uh, is a whole piece of that puzzle because the when we think about how the planets align at the time we were born and how all those neutrinos are passing through everything including us as we're born and you might be really interested in the design date since numbers mean so much to you the design date is roughly three months before we're born and your point of birth and your design date all have an impact on how you bring yourself to the world and the neutrinos are happening uh, throughout that process. So we're collecting all of this universal coding and information the entire time we're in utero, but it's especially significant at that design date at the point in which we're born. And that brings us as a whole human being into this world. And so the quantum idea is fascinating to mm-hmm. me, and especially when we're talking about it at the neutrino level, and it's something that is always happening all the time. And and it's really, it's so funny because to engage in the concept of quantum, you need a little bit of a balance of being a little bit on the analytical, geeky, sciencey side of the world, because it is physics, actually. But yeah, yet at the right. same time, you need to be very much in the land of possibility, believing in something you don't necessarily tangibly see in your hand, spiritual in that there's something more than just this. And so to me, the quantum is like the ultimate representation of my personal tagline is where science meets spirit. I'm like, Mm. oh, that's the place. Oh, how cool is this? You know, to think like here, you have this like crazy waveform of energy all over the place everywhere and nowhere but it's there but you can't see it until such time as you focus onto it and then it becomes particulate and material and then uh, there it is i mean that whole process to me is like wow that is just just the coolest thing ever uh we bring it down into really very Mm. simplistic terms when we say oh you know the ultimate land of possibilities if you can envision it, if you can think of it, it can be so. And I I find that there's an awful lot of the population that's like, yeah, I don't get that. Because they're hung up in the old school of if I see it, then it is. If it is physically present, then it is versus yeah. if I envision it and, and create it internally, it will express itself externally. I remember telling my mother on on a, one of these trips to Disneyland because we did it. We didn't do it annually, but every it happened every once in a while. Uh, she asked me on the, uh, on the way there, "Do you believe in God?" And 
Uh, my mother's family is all very devout Catholic. My father's family is all very pious Protestants, and both families are Irish. And, you know, their grandparents came over on the boat. So they're kind of like Romeo and Juliet. So she asked me if I believe in God in the back of this car. And at the time I told her no. And she said, well, why? And Because I, I can't see or touch that, whatever that is. I was very practical at the time. And then we had a, an amazing discussion about faith. I think I was maybe, maybe 12 or 13. <laughs> when we're having this grand conversation about faith and the unseen. And uh, I look back on that now and think if I hadn't gone through that conversation that I'm grateful for, that I, I will never, I won't forget the experience. I, the details are lost to time. But now I think about what I do. <laughs> and the act of faith in these tools and experiences and other people's um, journeys is a powerful thing. And if I didn't have that faith in how human beings connect and the unseen, then I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is an enormous leap. And it's so interesting that your parents, especially your mom, I find that individuals who hold to a particular religious faith through a book, through a doctrine, through a series of believed lessons and writings, yeah. There, so there's that type of faith. And sometimes I feel like that's very, very delineated. Like there's no gray area there. This is what it is and this is how it goes. And then you have that different level of faith, which is the faith in call it whatever it is you want to call it, apply whatever name you would like to apply to it, depending on what your other personal belief systems are. But it's the entire concept that there's just so much more than just us. There's so mm -hmm. much more that is contributing to just us. And it isn't about, are you a good human, a bad human? Are you a this human, a that human? It's on a very different level of faith. It's on a different level of releasing and trusting and letting go. And I think that those components in our human existence are absolutely the fundamental block to accessing everything that's on the other side of that faith. And I like to say, you know, when I talk, obviously this is the podcast, yeah. I love to talk about what's blocking us from getting to our deepest inner core and expressing the joy. And that's our birthright. That's what we're here for is to express joy and live in passion. And the truth is we hold the key. We hold the key to the shackles that we have put on our own heart through our conditioning. We have the key. And it's a little bit the the way that I sometimes see this, and I'm curious about your perspective of this, is sometimes I see it a little bit like, well, on a farm, we have a saying of you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Meaning you can stick the thing in front of a big full tank of fresh, clean, beautiful water, but if that thing's not going to drink, it's not going to drink. End of story. Um, in other things, you know, you've got somebody flailing out in the, in the water and you throw them the life preserver with the rope and say, grab this, let me help you. I'll help you get to shore. No problem. And they're like, no, no, I can't grab it. And sometimes I see our journey back home to unshackling our heart as, Hey, you know what? Here's the key. All you got to do is just let go, let live, let go. Trust in God, the divine trust that 
the universe will cover your butt. You're okay. It will come to be what it is. Stop the control. Let go. Release. Don't hold on all that stuff. And yet as humans, we're like, ah, oh, no, that can't be right. That it, that's, that's just way the hell too easy. That can't possibly be right. <laughs> it, it's counterintuitive, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's been a life lesson for me to to let go of things. And part of it is my conditioning. Part of it is my experience. So when I, when I think about the conditioning side of things, I'm the eldest of three siblings. I have a twin sister. I was given the story that you're the oldest. Make sure that the lips is here or she's your sister. She shouldn't be alone. We're eight minutes apart. <laughs> she, <laughs> she can take care of herself in ways that I could never take care of her. But the experience of my parents didn't see that. I've been given a lot of story that I'm in charge or I need to take care of something. But I've also been encouraged when I see the potential of how to do something better. So now I've added to that story that not only am I in charge, but I can find another way. And the most important thing for me as I start to realize all this conditioning is that my through line is that I'll always find another way. My journey is not that I need to be in charge, but if I find another way, I'll actually naturally be there. So it wasn't that what they were giving me was wrong. It was just a little skewed in, in how their lived experience translated to what they felt they needed to guide me on. And part of that was just order of birth and the past stories that they've been told. So I've been unraveling a lot of that and, and I use human design as the key because it helps me see in reflection how I kind of without conditioning came into this world and I can choose then to accept the conditioning that I have because it is serving me or I can let it go because it no longer does. I wholeheartedly reject that I need to release all the conditioning I've been given because sometimes that conditioning kept me safe and is worthwhile to remember that it kept me safe, even if I no longer need it. And so it's not that it's harmful, it's a part of who I am and I can carry that, uh, but I can carry that with strength or I can lessen the burden of it and know that it's somewhere back here and I've got it if I need it. Or I use it to my advantage if it's part of the, there's so many analogies here. If it's the arrow that I'm pulling out of my quiver in order to work with it now. Uh, uh, so I, I appreciate conditioning in a way I hadn't in the past. At first I thought, oh, why would anyone do this to another person? And it's not always intentional. <laughs> Um, sometimes it's very intentional. Sometimes it's abusive. And I think there needs to be a lot of uh, forgiveness, but forgiveness doesn't come without awareness. And if we, if we don't take the time to become aware without getting stuck in the past, because I also think that's dangerous, then I think we're then at the point where we're doomed to repeat it. I live very naturally 
and I love being this, but it's taken me a long time to realize that it's, it's something I offer to people. I live very naturally now, right now, here. So much so that I forget where I've been and I'm not thinking about where I'm going. But I was trained, I was conditioned to be very acutely aware of what's coming up and when to be ready for it and to consider where things have been. I'm a great stage manager. I'm a great production manager. I will keep people on time as a project manager like nobody's business. We're going to deliver that thing we got to deliver on time, budget, all the things. As I reflect on that part of my life, that's kept me with a roof over my head. It's kept me fed. But I absolutely cannot stand <laughs> the rigidity and control of project management. As I look back on it, I got really good at that, but it's not me. It is reflected to me in, in my husband who says, I told you about that. How, why don't you know? How do you not remember that? I'm like, well, I'm talking to you about it right now. Or uh, he asked me to, to text our nephew and say, can you come over in the next week and help us organize the garage? I didn't do it right then, and I knew I should have. I forgot about it for two days. And then all of a sudden, I was like, did I ever? <laughs> And I did it right then or I would have forgotten. Yeah. I live so wholeheartedly in the moment in which I'm in that it is a gift for me to be with other people and share that because then I can allow them that same opportunity to be here, to be now, to have this experience and not worry about where they're going. But then I can also honor that, which I've learned and say, you know what, if we're spending an hour together and we started 40 minutes ago, about 10 minutes from now, we might want to try and wrap up so that both of us have a chance to pee and get to where we need to go next. Right. <laughs> yes. It's a beautiful balance. Yeah. There's an author. She also has an enormous cupcake business and her name is Mignon Francois. And she literally built her entire empire from ground up with the last $5 she had. It's an amazing story. Wow. She has a book called Made from Scratch. Anyhow, I digress. So in the last two pages of this book, probably the most impactful thing that I read in the book, apart from having grittiness and resilience and believing and having faith, was the only moment that you have any remote control over is the now, because you only own the now. And when you can only own the now and live in the now and be in the moment, then you have one. So it's a fascinating idea and concept. It really talks about the mindfulness of living in the moment and not being distracted with your energy to place it where it really has no business being. But the other thing that you said that I really appreciate hearing is when, and and I'm glad you brought it up because I feel like I wasn't clear when when I talk about release and letting go, I think a lot of people hear the phrase, let go of X, Y, Z, because it no longer serves you. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean smash it with a mallet and dig a hole and bury it. It just means yeah. have the awareness to say this thing or this concept or this idea or this pattern was of absolute service to me at a point in my life when I needed it for safety and security and for my betterment in that moment. But in this particular moment, 
I may not necessarily need that thing. And so with kindness and love, I see it. Thank you for showing up. But, you know, chill out on the couch there and have a seat because I, <laughs> I can do something different and it's okay. So I think there sometimes is a misunderstanding of letting go and releasing means be gone, never to be, you know, banished yeah. off to wherever. But that's really not true. And your description of it is so beautiful and so accurate in that it's having the appreciation for whatever the thing is, was because it, it absolutely was needed at that moment to serve a purpose in whatever capacity. The greatest lesson for me in, in finding that, that experience was that I went through an emotionally and physically abusive relationship and that never leaves you. I think we'd all love it too, right? We'd love that experience of feeling less than, of feeling pain, of feeling like we gave ourselves away to someone else's power to go away. But it is always there and it's a reminder. And so I I know that that is one of the 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 bags that I carry, but it doesn't have to be the story that I'm living. So it is a piece of me and I can, every once in a while it's going to show up and it shows up a lot in my work because I sit across from people as we do in this work who are going through the exact same thing, who are not as far along that journey that I am. And so I can recognize um, one, one individual contacted me and and said i'm sorry i can't uh, meet with you today i've had to um, install cameras in my house change my locks and uh, i have to go see the doctor understood and then they they called me shortly thereafter and just needed someone to talk to and so i was being an ear and at one point i recognized um, that they were busy and i said are you are you cleaning? Are you cleaning your house right now? And they said, yes, I don't know what else to do. I said, I understand. This is the one thing that you're able to manage, that you're able to control or feel like you have control over in the moment, just like when you got your cameras or you changed your locks. So when you're done cleaning your baseboards, let me know how you're feeling. Because I've been there. I get it. So the experience that we have, the release of those things certainly is not that they ever go away, but they are now part of our journey that we can share with others and, and recognize ourselves and others and have greater empathy and be the best guides and, and bring them along the way. And tarot and human design are the tools that can either help uncover those things or be the impetus to releasing those things. And I don't mean release like go away, but like speaking them into the world and allowing them to exist and say, oh, I have this thing that I am experiencing. And then they can also be the tools of healing to go beyond that thing. And I, I love that I've been able to find these tools and then bring them to someone else. Because people ask me, well, what's what's the difference between the two? Why do you have these two things? What do you do? I'm like, I don't just have two things. I have 48 years of things that I've led up until this point. I just happen to utilize tarot as road signs. And I use human design as a map. And it lets me see where to start and create a doorway 
for you to choose to walk through or not. And if you choose to walk through it, now you've started another journey. And I was the person that gave you the green light. You may have just looked up at the right time and saw a change when you saw my face. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. So again, at the beginning of this talk, I said, everybody has a different language through with which their heart can speak and huh. through which they are able to communicate the message for others. And for you, it is tarot and human design. And then your 48 years of experiences are sort of the frosting on the cake. So, yeah. you know, those are your tools. And I feel that things that we look back on and say, oh my gosh, you know, how tragic. And I experienced XYZ in my relationships or my home life or my work life. I know they're hard in the moment. I agree. You know, nobody loves to air their laundry, but they become the tools of learning. They become the tools of growth. They become the tools of expansion and returning to your heart. If you choose to perceive them in a way that serves you as a learning lesson towards something better versus I'm going to live in my past and just rehash the story because it yeah. is justifying some other belief system that I hold. So and if you're not ready for it to be a lesson, let it be the fuel that fires you to get to where you need to be next. Because sometimes the lesson is so painful that it's hard to acknowledge that it is one. Uh, and, and that's, that's something else that I have learned to give people because it's, it doesn't, when, sometimes when you say it's a lesson, people are like, well, then why is there death? Or why did my child commit suicide? Let it fuel you. Be Matthew Shepard's mother. Take it yeah. to new extremes and change the, change the law of the land. Create a way for the world to shift and you don't have to stop, even if you feel like it, but if the energy's there to do something, and usually there is when there is tragedy or circumstances that we can't explain, you're right, how do we redirect that? And sometimes it isn't always into knowing it's a lesson in the immediate, it might be fueling the fire to do something different. Yes, absolutely. Chicago also taught me that. Because there are so many mothers here who have lost children needlessly. They stand up every time and say, something's got to change. But then the energy dissipates and somebody else dies and something has to change and the energy dissipates. So the, the challenge then is how do we, how do we continue to create uh, change? And I think it starts with, as we started this conversation, it starts with the individual. If we don't change us, then we can't bring that to our groups or our tribes and the people that we're closest to, or they can't see it in us so that they can take advantage of it. And then those groups can't take it to the collective and the world doesn't change. So there are ways, but start here. And if you start here, you'll change the world. As I gestured Absolutely. to myself in case people are listening to this. <laughs> How can people find you if they would like to know more about your mm -hmm. services in human design and or Tara or both? They can always find me at comingouttarot.com. I am, uh, and social media is sporadic for me because it has been such a um, challenge to feel um, positive or know when or what I wanna share. I share when I think it's necessary. I share when I have a story to tell, and it may come out on a different platform depending on which platform I think serves that message the best. So uh, all of my social media 
YouTube, Threads, Instagram, TikTok, all of them, whatever they are, whatever's coming next is at Coming Out Tarot. Thank you so much. <laughs> Just so many gold yeah. nuggets today. So good. I'm so excited that thank you to my niece for connecting us because I'm sure... I would have found you eventually, but she just sped it up. So that was nice. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh, so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for taking your time. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad we got to talk. And it, it, when you, when you go discover your human design and look it up, I'd love to see what you discover about yourself and, and hear more about it. I will tell you, I haven't dug into it very much. I do know that I'm <laughs> categorized as a projector based Ooh. on my birth. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's no surprise. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love Mrs. Nosy Pants wants to know like all the things. So when we're done here, I'll probably just DM you and be like, hey, would you mind just running my stuff for me, please? <laughs> because I'd like to know all the things. I yeah. have a little chart printed out. I don't really know what all this means. So, yeah, there's yeah. so much. There's a lifetime to learn in that chart. And the chart is full of a lifetime of learning. So yeah. it's all experiential and wonderfully includes transits so you can see what kind of energy you can tap into throughout the year yeah, and yeah. I know it, it fascinates me it's full of it's stuff. great it's great and i think yeah. however each of us learns that piece of how we are brought here because it's no randomness we are definitely mm -hmm. here with a particular expression and a particular way of bringing our essence forward i don't i don't really care you know what your body ends up looking like but that's really the gist. And whether you discover that yeah. through human design or other modalities, I just think to have the curiosity to start to find out what's within is the pathway to being able to express it out. So, yeah, I'm that. really curious actually how you'll see all the numbers of it because there's so many numbers. Yeah. I wonder how it'll connect with your experience in numerology and. What you might see i'd be really curious <clears throat> i see a lot of these modalities are they go hand in hand like i i have a friend who's extremely in depth astrologically speaking and she mm -hmm. ran my chart and the the overlap or affirmation of what i know based on my numerology chart is very aligned and i <clears throat> will bet you my human design will kind of married to those will sort of be in line with that just from a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. This is cool. fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Great. We might have to have another geeky session over the human design stuff. And I how think we should. Hey, I want to give a big thanks to Seth for sharing his wisdom today. You can find him on all the social media platforms, most prominently on LinkedIn at Coming Out Tarot, as well as on his website at www.comingouttarot.com. Please tag someone if you know they might like to hear this episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future guest and solo events. If you'd be so kind as to leave a five-star review on Spotify, that would be super helpful in pushing the podcast out to those who need to hear it. As always, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Miel Fox in my private Facebook group and the website, both by the name Fox Den Energetics. I also have information about numerology, aligned wellness coaching, and other resources available for you there. I will leave some freebies and some links and connections in the show notes for you. 
So jump back over there and see what you find that might be of interest to you. There's lots of goodies. And as always, sending so much love to you all. Stay tuned for another episode here on Energy of the Untamed Heart.